You are listening to the Business Wilderness, the voice of entrepreneurs. Welcome to the Business Wilderness. My name is Amr al and today I have a very special guest with me, Ms. Siobhan Lindley. Siobhan, how are you? I'm great. Uh, thank you for joining me on the, on the Business Wilderness. Siobhan, take us back in time. Where did it all begin for you and where are you currently at? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when I graduated college, I got a degree in mathematics and um, I was one of two women to graduate with that degree. Wow. And when I got into the workforce, I found financial planning as the first industry that I, I got into. It was like the perfect balance of solving financial problems and math problems coupled with helping people. <clears throat> and I, I then walked into a workplace environment where I was one of three women in the office. And it wasn't a problem because I was already used to that, so I didn't see it as a hindrance. And I did extraordinarily well. I was the top producing financial advisor for my firm within two years of graduating college. And so management took notice of that and said, hey, you should, you should teach other people you know, how, to, how to cold call and how to build a book of business. And, and I said, absolutely, you know, I want to be as high achieving as I possibly can. So I said yes. And... You know, now I'm kind of in my getting into my mid twenties, and I'm w- continuing to work twelve-hour days and weekends. And what I started realizing was that um, I really wasn't as great of a leader <laughs> as yeah. I thought I would be. Yeah. Um, nobody that I was mentoring or training was making it to the next level. Um, continuing to work those long hours and and really starting to get frustrated and unhappy with my lack of ability to to train others efficiently, I started getting physically sick. Um, And almost every single month, and just, I was dating somebody at the time who we were talking about having kids, and I'm like, I I can't even take care of myself. Like, I think I'm going to die. I I don't even know how we can potentially have kids and and me grow in my career because I'm struggling enough as it is. And so that was kind of my breaking point and realizing that I needed to get mentorship and specifically female mentorship because that's what I felt was missing in my life was examples of what strong female leaders do to lead um, and how to potentially even think about having a family and doing the same thing. So that was where my first kind of pivot in my career came from where I started saying, okay, I need to look external to my organization because there aren't enough women internal for me to get the support I need. At the time, I happened to be hosting a financial talk radio show program on ESPN, and it was financially related four days out of the week, but one day out of the week, we turned it into an executive interview series where we would interview executives, tell their stories, similar to like what you're doing with me today, and it was the first time in my life that I've ever had a a very powerful name next to my name. So ESPN, right? Like who doesn't want to come on an ESPN show? So I realized very quickly that um, I could interview anybody I would want to interview. So I said, well, if I'm trying to find female mentors and I can't find any around me, 
why don't I interview female executives instead? And I ended up interviewing over three years, 150 executives, many being Fortune 1000 executive women, and I got mentored one hour a week for three years. And I totally transformed and realized that I was leading so not authentic to who I was on the inside. Like I could do it when I was working with clients because I was one-on-one with them and we were getting to know each other. And that's why I excelled so well in sales. But when I got into a leadership position, all of a sudden I felt like I had to be super direct and aggressive and, and what I saw the other men doing as leaders. And I lost myself in that process. And so what I ended up discovering, you know, that transformed myself was that there were six pillars of leadership that successful female leaders had in common. And when I made that connection between all of these leaders that no matter how diverse and um, different industries that they came from, we, they all shared these commonalities. I was like, I must share this with the world. And that's where I started my first company, Women Evolution. Um, and so Women Evolution became this, a, a women's leadership development and mentoring program, a scalable um, solution for organizations, for corporate, to train these six pillars of leadership. And we ended up rolling programs out in companies like Intel and CBRE and Planned Parenthood and Barona Casino and a lot of really amazing organizations. Um, the problem was that we were empowering these women to be these strong, authentic female leaders and they were walking away confident and engaged and equipped. And then they would go try and implement these skills in real life and they would start getting pushback from their organization. Um, Men would say things like, well, what are you ladies plotting in your women's empowerment group anyway? Like what's going on in there? And then other women are saying things like, You know, I've worked really hard to be considered equal to men, and these programs make me feel like I need something special, and I want nothing to do with it. And um, so what was happening in this crazy experience that I was witnessing was that um, this program that was meant to help women learn how to be themselves was actually causing a divide, a divide between genders. And it became really clear after hitting my head against the wall about 15 times with, (laughs) with all of this, that, um, this, this, there's a bigger problem and the bigger problem in the corporate world and, and really in any organization, um, is this lack of an inclusive environment. And so an inclusive environment is an environment where you are you valued for your uniqueness and that you feel like you belong. Those two things are critical for people to feel safe and that they can share their ideas and that they can make mistakes and that um, they can innovate and that they get to drive change and that they'll be valued in the organization. And what we've discovered through neuroscience research and is that our brains really don't like things that are different than what we've known before. And so this is why we see a lot of white males predominantly in companies, um, because that's how business began. And that similarity, they call that a similarity bias, where we all like 
we all like who we like, you know, people who are like us or who we want to be around. And so when that happens in the workplace and that bias carries over, um, which it has done for now many, many, many years, um, that's why we are stuck. That's why it's been 14 years since women have made a single percentage increase in the number of women in leadership positions. This is why people of color and um, different sexual orientations are still not really making it to these top ranks. Until we have an inclusive workplace environment, we are going to continue to see these same results. Um, And so this really was, for where I'm at today, uh, as far as this journey that I'm on, is that we realize that you can't just teach people how to be an inclusive leader in a day or in an online course, like in a short period of time. Because inclusiveness requires two things. You have to have trust and you need to feel psychologically safe. Those two things take time. And you have to create a supportive, safe environment where people can learn how to have conversations and communicate and network with people who are different than who we are. And so we decided that as an organization, we needed to make our mission bigger and really solve a greater problem, and that is how to create inclusive workplace cultures um, and create a technology that helps make that possible, helps facilitate these conversations, that holds people accountable, that takes them through a transformational learning process that they can that they can experience together um, and it's a combination of, of learning the six traits of an inclusive leader while going through a peer mentoring program so to take you to where I'm at today we've transformed women evolution into now our new company mentoring method and this is a scalable mentoring technology designed to aid in reaching diversity and inclusion so that's where I'm at today. <laughs> it's wow. my long story. Insightful. Some some powerful uh, things happening. Um, you mentioned a few things. You mentioned the part where you said uh, the reason why we still have that uh, unfair balance in the current workplaces. Uh, moving forward, or actually right now, there's many groups, there's many organizations really pushing for equality and empowering women in, in the workforce. How do you see things moving forward? How can we reach like what is considered as the pinnacle of e- equality? When will people be happy? When will we know, okay, now we're finally at a, in a position that women are now being treated fairly and equal to men in, in, in the workplace? Well, there's a lot of things that we can really look at. I mean, for me, my end goal, at least in the short term, is how do people feel, right? Do they feel like they can be their authentic selves and that they can, that they can, um, that they will be recognized and valued. So that, that's a, you know, more of a, a qualitative state. And when that happens, um, because this, this entire purpose is not to say that 
I necessarily think that there will be 50% female CEOs and 50% male CEOs at the end of the day. I don't know if that's even realistic, you know, because, you know, a lot of women and a lot of men, you know, want to say, you know, that's not the world I want to be. And I want to be an entrepreneur or I want to, you know, raise my family. I want to do this. The point of all of what I'm trying to do is to get people to realize that they have a choice in that decision. So that we can choose to move up if we want and we can choose to be an entrepreneur if we want or we can choose to stay at home with a family or whatever our choices are because right now we feel like we don't have a choice. We feel like, well, the only way for me to be happy and for me to be valued is for me to uh, be an entrepreneur. So I'm going to go jump ship because that's the only way that I can actually do things that I love every day. Um, and I think that's a huge mistake that, and we're missing talent. And so it's this idea that, that if we can get organizations to value authentic leadership, people will be like, will want to step up to those next levels. And then when we do, we will start to see changes in these numbers. Um, but as far as quantitatively, what we can look at to measure success of these programs um, is you can look at reduction in turnover. So we can look at reduction in turnover. We can look at increased retention um, of employees. We can look at one of my favorite things to analyze is how much money is your organization spending right now on lawsuits and litigation around sexual um, harassment or other um, fair pay disputes and things of that nature. Because if we can reduce that number, then we're also saving money on, a, on the bottom line of an organization. Now, fundamentally, it's the right thing to do, and that should be the reason why we're doing all of this, but we can measure the success of these programs. Um, but So it's hard to say, you know, for me, I think the inclusive environment is what's critical for any of these other women's leadership initiatives to truly be able to move the needle. I mean, if you go ask any one of them, they will all tell you frustratingly how the the how very little we've moved the needle when you look at the numbers. I mean, the Women in the Workplace study um, just came out for last year, and we went backwards. Wow. Excuse me for the interruption, but I have a very important message. Stop recklessly spending your money on ad spend and start building your brand. Discover how content marketing can establish your business as a household name. The Business Wilderness has helped organizations generate hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue through content and social media marketing. In one particular case, we helped an organization generate over $200 million in 12 months. Go to www.businesswilderness.com forward slash free consult f-r-e-e-c-o-n-s-u-l-t and receive your free consultation back to the show interesting um so how are these companies basically uh approaching your technology and taking it on board what kind of challenges or, or difficulties are you guys facing pitching this technology to them Right now, within organizations, there are three different departments that help support the organization when it comes to um, mentorship, leadership development, 
and diversity and inclusion. Those are three separate people (laughs) or multiple people in each department, each doing their own things. And for the first time, we're creating a hybrid solution that brings all of those three things together because we believe they're critical. You need each one of these components together. And so uh, for, for me, the challenge is is getting people to learn how to, to bridge these three things together from a processes, processes standpoint. Uh, because they've never worked together. <laughs> you know, they communicate, they, they like to hang out with each other because they have shared missions, but they've never figured out how to work together. And we finally create a technology. So the question is things like, well, whose budget pays for what? <laughs> you yeah. know, like at the end of the day, who's going to pay to have this? Now, we made it super cost effective and, um, you know, really be able to fit in, but it's always around leveraging where are those dollars going to come from? Because Everybody loves it. Everybody wants it. It's just a matter of who, where is it going to get funded? Um, the media is really helping because the media is illuminating that you cannot afford to brush this under the rug anymore because women are speaking up and they're not afraid to speak up right now. And so as an organization, you can either get on the front page <laughs> of the New York Times with an arrow on your back or you can be the person who's on the front page of the New York Times showing, you know, we recognize that we've had problems, but we are taking the steps to do this, and here's how. And be able to demonstrate through an actual program where we can track and, and monitor the success over time of how this is helping us create a more inclusive place where, where we all feel safe and that we can move up and that we're not just... We, were, we weren't selected because we're trying to fill a quota that we're really trying to solve the, the systemic problem from the core. Yeah. So the, from, from what I've gathered, the general feedback has been extremely positive and people are willing to take it on board. But it's, there's, there's been a bit of, uh, not dispute, but you know, a difficulty working out who's going to be paying for it. Is, is that correct? Yeah, pretty much. Awesome. <laughs> In terms of the technology itself, what's the way forward? How can you guys evolve it and improve it and really cement it into into workplaces? Yeah, absolutely. So where it stands today, our our kind of key functionalities that makes it different from everybody else is that when we make these mentoring matches and we suggest peer mentoring, so these are smaller groups of three to four working together, um, that's the that's the perfect size that we can very efficiently and quickly be able to um, learn how to you know work across our differences in a safe place. If you get the groups too big, then people can hide and not really communicate as much because there's three other people who are more extroverted. So in a group of three to four, the shyest of introverts speak up. Yeah. But when we put these groups together. Um, our technology matches people based on how different they are. Every other mentor matching technology matches on how similar they are. Because in the past, it's the idea of, well, we don't want personalities to clash, so let's match people on how similar they are, so that way they'll get along and the relationship will have a better chance of getting off the ground. Yeah. Well, what does that do? It just further emphasizes the similarity bias of continuing to work with people who are like us. So we need to flip it upside down and, and, and believe in this idea that great minds think unalike. Um, 
And so the other thing our technology does is it inside you can see exactly where every participant is in your peer group through as they're going through the curriculum. So how it works is they go through one element of online leadership development curriculum on how to become an inclusive leader. And then in between each curriculum module, they meet with their peer group and they strategize around what they discovered and they talk with one another around how they can apply it within their unique corporate culture. But what happens is a lot of time when we get into online or even in person is just we have the best intentions of completing the program, but we're also busy. So in, in our technology, you actually see where your other peer group participants are in the curriculum at all times. And you cannot move on to the next module until everyone completes the curriculum. And so you, the technology holds everybody accountable and makes sure that they certify that they have had their peer mentoring session before module two even becomes available to anyone. So that's kind of where we started as the hub. But as far as moving forward, how we need to advance the technology is that um, there are just other layers of, of we, we have extreme interest from lots of people in different countries. So we're looking at um, translating the technology and the platform into, you know, wherever is going to be the next target market that, that wants to have it, that, you know, Obviously, we're not obviously, but Spanish is a huge one that we get asked quite a bit. So that'll probably be our next. So translations and then also adding in layers of, well, you know, online learning is amazing. But what if you are someone who is blind and how do you digest that material? Um, so how do you and how can we make the technology more inclusive of of people who learn differently than someone who may be, you know, full, you know, sight and hearing. So just being very diligent around how can we enhance it so that more people can learn from this tool. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to me about the actual building of the, of the technology. Um, how did you guys, uh, go about building it? What struggles did you guys face? And how did it all come together? It's such a great question. You know, we didn't set out to build a technology at first. We were, we thought, okay, we're, we have this idea that we want to train and, and build inclusive workplace cultures. This is what we need. We're going to go to market and go <laughs> tap into somebody else's technology. So we went out to go interview all these mentor matching companies. That's when we realized that they all match on on how similar you are and the algorithms are not customizable enough to switch it to make it the other way and so we were like well that's not gonna work you know how can we send a thousand people or three thousand people through at one time um if we have to leverage a technology to, to help us do the initial pairings because of just the size of the companies that we work with um the second thing that we were up against was security so I work with Walmart and, um, and have several other very large organizations where security of the platform is scrutinized to every detail. And we were having months and months of not being able to get the technologies that we were hoping we could work with to get approved because they just didn't have high enough security um, on there that they would allow them into their firewall. So. Um, 
I learned a lot about uh, IT and, and the, the architecture diagram of the flow of where information goes and where it's stored. And so we just, we, we could not get the technology part approved in Walmart and we had to find a workaround. Now there's still a client because they were like, look, we'll make this work. And we found a different way to do it, not using a technology. Um, <laughs> but wow. we, for the next for the next round, we need we needed to have it. So it was like, okay, well, we need a, a secure enough system. We need a, a matching that, that bases off diversity, and then we, and then we need also a learning management system, a learning management system that's going to take people through the curriculum. And there really were only two companies out there that had this combination of mentor matching and 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 LMS learning management system. But those two things really weren't seamless, and it was we were just going to have to create a patch on top of a patch to make it work. And then we were like, well, how much is all this technology going to cost us? And then at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm just going to build it myself <laughs> because <laughs> not myself. I mean, hire developers yeah. to do this because by the time I get done paying everybody their cuts, well, I'm left with nothing. Yeah. So. Um, that was when we just said, we're going to have to do this our own selves. And we went out to start researching, you know, who's, who has experience in this space and came up with, I think the other biggest challenge was, um, you know, when you build these for the Walmarts of the world, you have people in all different countries, you have people in all different time zones. Um, and so, you know, you can build a technology based on how diverse people are, but at the same time, you have to be thoughtful around, well, how do you group people so that they're in somewhat of the same time zone so that way they can have more options for their peer mentoring sessions? So we want to create a diverse as possible, but I don't, you know, want someone in Australia meeting with someone in the U.S. because there's very few daylight hours where we overlap. Yeah. Um, so that was it. So like building, it's not, you can't just build diverse on every aspect. It's like some components have to be diverse. So, um, uh, gender and family status and, and departments and, you know, those types of things, but then some need to have restrictions yeah. on how diverse they are. So that way you can actually make the program work. Absolutely, and I mean, an organization that size would uh, would be extremely d demanding meeting all their criterias. Um, you and you'd want to get it right because um, the smallest hiccup could cause a few headaches. So, um, great achievement in acquiring them as uh, as as customers. So, well, well done there. That's Thank a, you. That's a great effort on its own. But, but in saying that, um, I mean, the tech problems that you mentioned, I mean, they're pretty common. That's why it is so difficult to build a software if you, if you don't have the, the background or to build the technology that if you, if you don't have a tech background. But one thing, you, one thing that is guaranteed, you do learn a whole heap in the process. Um, so moving forward, uh, I mean, we've gone into great depth and insight into how we're going to take this, uh, I like to call it a, a bit of a revolution, because for many, many years, women did not have, I mean, much of a voice in the workplace. And you can see now all these cases that are developing based on 
sexual harassments and other violations in previous years. Uh, we're moving into great things, uh, great times, hopefully, where equality is going to, you know, succeed and it is going to happen and we're going to see it uh, organically move into, into workplaces. You guys are going to have great success. We're, we're, we're going to see uh, happier workplaces and things are, are going to get much, much better moving forward. Um, Siobhan, you've provided great insight. It's been an absolute unbelievable chat. Uh, thank you for joining me. Before I let you go, where can we find you guys online or on social media? Yeah, absolutely. Well, mentoringmethod.com is the website. And from there, you can learn about um, our inclusive leadership training program, our emerging female leaders training program, and potentially if you want to put your own custom content and leverage it with our technology, we now have that available as well. So on mentoringmethod.com, you can kind of learn about all all the ways and that you can you know, potentially see a demo and get to know it a little bit more if that's what you're interested in. As far as following me personally, um, my, I'm on Facebook, Siobhan Lindley CEO, and on Instagram, Siobhan Lindley. Awesome. Before, I just had a bit of a like a, a brain switch is there is there a software out there that helps men <laughs> basically develop the leadership to uh make the adjustment and and give women their uh not equal rights but you know learn how to treat women and empower them and improve their their positions in the workplace well, that's what we had to create. To create an inclusive environment, it didn't only require a technology. You, you also have to train skills on what does it mean to be an inclusive leader. And so when you become an inclusive leader, you will respect and value all facets of diversity, not just women. Yeah. So we had to, um, in addition to the technology piece that actually supports the relationship and creates the environment where trust and psychological safety can be built. In addition to that, we have a six-module training program called Inclusion 360 that trains the six traits of an inclusive leader. And so you walk through together and you learn around all the neuroscience research behind inclusion and where that sits in the brain and what unconscious bias and blind spots have gotten us to where we are today and have shaped our story and learning our our story is critical and learning how to leverage storytelling in the workplace so um you know we're big believers in like your family of origin and your socioeconomic background and the experiences that you have were raised have shaped who you show up today as and why you behave the way that you do and so you may think you are leading in one way and then other people tell you different and so those different between those two perceptions is really the gap that we're looking to address and helping people understand their personal story will then allow us to help um, our brains start to become more familiar and more um, efficient at connecting with others um, and leveraging storytelling to do that so that then that goes into, well, how do we do everything differently? How do we interview differently? How do we handle performance evaluations? 
How do we negotiate? How do we handle company reorganizations and mergers and acquisitions? You know, how do we do this with an inclusive lens um, and rethink this? And how can we inspire inclusive leadership in others? And when we meet people who say something that's offensive or very exclusionary, how do we have those really critical conversations? So all the tools and, and and strategies that we need to be able to change the behavioral uh, uh, behavioral modification, basically, that's what we have to train. So our, we have a program that does do that, and it's not just for men, it's for everyone, for talent at all levels. Wow, awesome. You guys have got it all covered. <laughs> awesome. Thank you very much, Siobhan. It's been a great chat. Thank you. No, you're, yeah. you're most welcome. Thank you very much for joining me on The Business Wilderness.